0: This is Bragg, the son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a LOTRO podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. Beacons of Minas The beacons are lit. Lotro calls for aid. And Bragg shall answer. It's Amandine. We're at Amandine. Amandine is a light. Somewhere in the foothills of Farinorian, hope is burned to a cinder. Welcome back to Light the Beacons, the only Lotro podcast that dares to say it's really sorry for everything it's done. This is episode number 92. Electric Boogaloo is back, and I remain your host, Bragg of the Lonely Mountain, the Sultan of Shields White, the Earl of Agro, treasure seeker of the gray mountains and dwarf of ill repute broadcasting live from temporary ltb mewhq that's uh like the beacons temporary middle earth wide headquarters uh for those non-initiated you know listeners and so forth and uh let me see where are we today we are we happen to be as you can tell from the mournful music uh in the lonelands more specifically we are standing atop the Lorne Span. One of my favorite uh, landmarks in the Lonelands region. It connects the uh, goblin towns of Minis Arial with Mithran the Dwarf Shornbeard's uh, fortress uh, along the southern edge of the Lonelands. And, uh, the Lorne Span kind of bridges a big chasm that goes back you know, it looks like it used to be maybe a path in by, bygone days between Minis Ariel and, and Mithran Rust. It's kind of a strange construction on the bridge. It's First of all, it's in pretty decent shape for how old it is, although there are some major cracks along one of the arches. Um, it's got two major pillars sitting down that are kind of like cake topper shaped so they taper as they get taller. Which doesn't sound like great construction to me. And, um, there are three mini arches supporting it that are resting upon the pillars and in the center of the center arch is a large stone uh... tunnel. It's like an entry or gateway um... it's got you know a standard portal door shape but there's you know looks like several tons of rock extending up from the middle of the bridge in the center and it's worn away a little bit but it's hanging in there but uh... i gotta think the excess weight on the bridge, uh, serving no architectural purpose that I can determine, uh, purely aesthetic, is not a good engineering design and uh, not representative of the quality of Rudarian architecture that I think you know might have been employed elsewhere in Middle-earth for more uh, structures that have stood the test of time. So why am I on the span uh, Again, it's one of my favorite Lonelands uh, milestones are uh, architectural points in the Lone Lands. I can see there's a great view of Weathertop from here. You can really see what it must have looked like in its, in its heyday with the uh, with the many spires sticking up, the giant curved uh, support beams extending above the the top of the the structure and uh, it's just a beautiful night. This this The uh, sky is filled with stars and uh, I can see small um, let me see archways and pillars above the the precipice above me here sticking up on the right hand side above Mithranost and uh, the lone lines can be a beautiful place if you stop to take the time to appreciate it uh, long enough not to be attacked by lynx so anyway the reason i'm in the lone lands this week is that i've been uh... working on my legendary characters on anor and they're both in the mid twenties in terms of levels and so the lone lands is the natural place to be although uh... with a second character going through the region on the legendary server i am uh... considering alternate pathways to branch them out so i'm not duplicating content going forward uh that's a tale for another beacon uh let's go on and move on to our second special edition elanock here on a saturday uh, sunday afternoon uh trying to get this out of the way the football is playing people are having fun i'm inside lighting beacons because uh, that's what i do i guess but i hope you're all having a good weekend uh, as usual at Elanark, first got to deal with a lot of CRAP, corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. Last time out we offended legendary server loggers, dieting dwarves, Eric Clapton fans, and elves. And especially to Eric Clapton, I want to say uh, very much sorry for the Layla rendition that I uh, offered up last week. I uh, hope you guys uh, were able to suffer through that and stick with us. Appreciate you coming back. Uh, it shows your fortitude. Uh, but in the meantime, let's check the leaderboard. The last review of the podcast was left by Ponder on August 14th of 2018, and he currently has our high score. As always, if you want to join this ragtag Fugitive of Reviewers, then what you can do is just leave me an iTunes review. Or, alternatively, if you find the rock atop Weathertop where Gandalf inscribed his rune, flip it over and thereupon inscribe your feedback using the blood of an enraged blood tusker as scrawled with the talon of a nearby storm crow, and I shall steal there under cover of night to read it when the moon is full. Viewer feedback, um, all I've got written in this section is to be determined, so. Your feedback is still to be determined. You are the authors of your own fate. Write in and give it, and I will elicit it in a future podcast. From Twitter, I did want to note uh, a couple stories that came out, uh, especially from Massively, about the end of Wildstar. Uh, The server is finally going down sometime this past week. And, uh, you know, fairly major game, Dungeons Dragons-based, fantasy-based. Had a lot of good things going for it never hit the sweet spot and had a lot of problems as far as uh, I think endgame content and engaging uh, the players beyond a certain level from what I've heard and there but for the grace of SSG potentially go Wii Uh, so always interesting to look at uh, what shutters in the marketplace and what sticks around a game like Wildstar with modern graphics and modern attention spent to it and uh, now more people are playing you know Dark Age of Camelot still probably than are playing Wildstar at this point with the servers going down potentially for the count also a lot of discuss on Twitter about the continued fallout from Fallout 76 uh, and Bethesda's ham-handed community management technique which is basically to ignore everything always and give uh, no feedback to its its players regarding their issues with the game it does, you know, it doesn't diminish my enthusiasm to try fall back Fallout 4 at some point, but, uh, you know, certainly, hopefully not a franchise killer there. Hopefully they're thinking about ways that they can uh, address the concerns and move forward with a way without losing a big chunk of their fan base, given the, the size of the IP that's involved there. Uh, Community Spotlight, I wanted to mention that uh, Moderate Peril returned with a discussion of Lotro legendary servers uh, anima, BS, and other perils of fandom and some belated thoughts on the 10th anniversary of Lotro including the musings of yours truly, Uh, yes, a a, a clip that I submitted, I can't remember at least 6 months ago, maybe almost a year uh, for the 10th anniversary of Lotro show and they they, uh, just now getting around to using some of those quotes along with uh, some remarks, I believe, from Fruin Juice and Braxwolf as well. So those are fun and uh, interesting to see. I, I had um, Contains bonder Apparel I had an iTunes i uh, feed for, but uh, this new episode didn't appear. He's trying to get it fixed for some reason <coughs> find out what went wrong. But uh, you can still listen to the episode by uh, just going to his website and playing it directly from uh... from his feed there on his blog so uh... check that out when you get a chance it's good to see roger and company back in the saddle again what's going on in the forums? well it's a buzz with feedback on the latest raid beta seems generally positive people saying it has potential although with some tweaking required to some of the depth of challenge uh... some call for having more mechanics that become applicable in the boss fights and continued reduction of trash mob morale because there are huge time sinks not challenging necessarily just time sinks to burn down the trash mobs with multi-million point morale which is something that we've heard more and more of especially in tier two and tier three runs uh... but um you know people generally had some positive things to say one or two of the bosses they particularly said were a lot of fun uh i think the anvil of Winterstith is an interesting location obviously for some pretty epic fights in the game and uh hopefully we'll catch up with uh, vithig wintermind and Korazgar along the way uh i would imagine given the feedback on the raid that it might hit the server sometime in the next week or two uh right about the same time as maybe the um the winter festival which would be a great timing for people that are on home on winter break to go raiding and uh, that could be hopefully their goal. So in this week's action packed episode we are going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in game these past few weeks. We are going to discuss uh, my thoughts on a recent computer game I played called Inside which I found to be one of the more uh, interesting plays I've had recently. We're going to discuss a Lotro Christmas list with the holidays around the corner. And lastly, if we have any time remaining, we will probably just go play the new content or go check out some football games. But if we want to have time for that, we better get moving on to our third beacon. (laughs) Nardal. That's right, it's This Week in Gaming and or other Tolkien news. Well, um, I did play a little bit of DDO this time, uh, this time around, uh, especially when the updates to the LOTRO servers were going on. <laughs> <clears throat> again, uh, fall into a pattern. Do my daily dice, run maybe one warehouse quest, log off. I'm, uh... I achieved the next tier of level 5. Interesting in DDO that they have, within each level, they have a number of tiers that you can achieve within each level. So leveling is truly uh, much more significant when you do get to a level 6 or a level 7. <coughs> I still have a level 5 Dwarf Cleric in that game. Cleric was always one of my favorite classes to play when I played Dungeons & Dragons as a player, although I certainly had a lot more experience as a DM back in those days. Um, but my... My feelings on that game is it's probably still one that's not going to be worth me, you know, subscribing to or playing significantly unless I find a kin that uh, uh, where I can get involved with some group content, which you know might also give me some insights into how how to play the game a little better and how to progress from where I am. Clash of Clans. I have a Clash of Clans update. I am currently uh, just completed an update to Town Hall level. Uh, what is it? I think it's eleven. Uh, there are 12 in the game now. The latest one is a shiny blue electric looking thing. Uh, Tier Town Hall 11, I believe, if, I'm, if I've got the number right, is uh, a white castle with red parapets and allows access to the Warden as well as the Eagle Artillery. And so, uh, you know, pretty significant uh, upgrade, which, you know, comes with... Uh, new wizard's tower walls, archer tower, cannon, and a tornado trap, which is something I haven't seen before. Um, they had a recent event where they had uh, for almost a full week they had five times the treasure bonus for stars and it was hard not to max, max out your collectors and get a ton of stuff uh, so that was when I elected to go ahead with the town hall upgrade. Um, also had did research recently on golems, uh, hunters, and now golems again. So I'm hoping to get those little spikes on the backs of my golems, which make them look kind of cool. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that think this uh, game's time is coming past. Uh, you know, I've never spent money on it. Well, actually, I take that back. I think I bought one box of gems one time ever. Uh, so I am doing it the slow and easy way whenever I feel like it, and I am still getting some fun out of uh, out of some of the changes they have. Uh, generally speaking. Over, you know, I guess uh, the the more uh, fluffing at the mouth that only like to play endgame in the champions level uh, might find the pace boring at this point. But I just like, I like having something on my iPad or my phone that I can play that isn't just mindless fun that goes away as soon as I'm done, that has some lasting effect. I guess that's kind of why I play MMOs, right? I'd rather achieve something and build something over time and have it that progress progress. Uh, saved or you know um, available, and show that progression rather than play something that uh, you know I might achieve one score once and it disappears, and when I bring it up again, I start from scratch. Just uh, a little more satisfying to me, which is why I still dabble with Clash of Clans now and then. What else have I been playing? I think I mentioned last time around that I completed Tomb Raider Anniversary. I had a nice playoff at the end. It was fun all the way through, although I was ready for it to be done. It got a little bit repetitive at the end with uh, some of the puzzles, Uh, but generally speaking, fun puzzles, different, kind of nostalgic. Uh, Glad I went back and and tried that game out. Um, I've got a new game that I'm playing now, uh, which is, let me see, uh, I I just finished and uh, we'll talk in a coming beacon about the game Inside. Uh, which came out about two years ago. And now I have just uh, loaded up this past weekend um, Half-Life 2, which is the Steam Portal game. Uh, I'm sorry, the Steam Portal kind of... uh, I I guess they're... I'm not sure if they're considered in the same world or not, but uh, you know they're they're definitely the same game engine and kind of has the same graphics look and feel. Uh, but it's got some interesting parts to it. i um, you know just in the early stages of it really now. I'm not sure how long the game is. Right now it's kind of on rails where I'm escaping from a lab and trying to find like a a resistance group. Um, that's hidden away from this new dystopian society. It looks like it's fun. I think I got it on a Steam sale sometime a year or two ago and it's been sitting there for a long time. And it's a bit of a change of pace from an MMO. So I'll let you know what I think of Half Life 2 as I start to play a little bit more of it. Uh, and let me see Dungeons and Dragons I think since the last time we talked I did get a session in to play with the teen dwarves in the house we completed Expelling the Red Brands from Fandolin and moved on to Coneyberry and other interim adventures that should eventually point us to Cragmaw Castle in the campaign The Mines of Fandelver, which is the basic new dungeon that comes with rule set number 5 so uh, expect some more advancement on that over the coming Christmas holidays What else is going on? From a movies and TV perspective, I went to see Ralph Breaks the Internet last week. I was a little uh, mildly entertained, although overall a little disappointed. The original I thought was interesting and fun and different, uh, but I was never a big a fan as maybe some people out there, so I was not surprised that the second one didn't hold my attention quite as much, uh, but it was good for a few laughs. I'm still waiting to see. The movies are piling up. Green Book, Widows, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which I may get a chance to go see this afternoon. And around the corner, Mary Poppins Returns, which is going to be amazing. And also, uh, don't forget, uh, in the superhero worlds, Aquaman and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse are both coming out over the next few weeks as well. So it's going to be a busy mu- movie uh, time of year hopefully we'll have time to go out and see them and from a book's perspective I am reading a retrospective called Rush album by album yes I have many books about the uh, musical group Rush uh, this one had a good enough production values and pictures and stories that I decided to include it in my catalog although certainly there is a lot of repetition in some of the material if you've read other books uh, in that are out there regarding the history of the band As most of you long-term viewers out there know, Rush is the greatest rock band in the history of uh, the world and um, the only time when a dwarf can have a man crush. Alright, let's move back into gaming. What's Bragg been doing in game? Bragg is of course level 20. He is also a supreme Dunefold metalsmith. He has completed all the deeds in the dwarf including the resources and quests which was the last one completed. I've upgraded all my armor and jewelry pieces uh, using the vendors that are there in Scarhold, but only some of the essences at some point, and I think those can make a big impact if you have a lot of the new ones. I have maybe eight or nine tier 12 and maybe the same number of tier 11 essences that I've accumulated just from doing content around the game, uh, just as random drops from landscape and mobs and so forth, and most of them are a fair improvement over so I might start to look at swapping in some of the essences uh, in places where I didn't already at least have Northern Kingdom stuff. I uh, bought the new goat from the Scarhold vendor using additional coins of the Longbeards. I would say he's meh. I kind of like the red and blue uh, goat of the guard and the one from the Secret Treasure Hunt uh, from Erebor a bit better. Bragg should be ready to run some instances now, certainly on Tier 1, of which I've done some, and I think probably uh, could handle some Tier 2 content with a good group at this point. I did run Thickle Gundu on Tier 1 this past week. Um, Never really felt threatened as a guard, despite maybe four or five manning the instance with a group that was mainly messing around (laughs) they were kind of all over the place uh people were dropping in and out people rage quit uh the other guys were joking um not everyone liked it anyway it was a it was an interesting group uh but despite that I uh, managed to get through the instance just fine and uh, didn't pass away so Loot tier one is apparently uh, pretty easy uh, for do if you've got a group which is nice although the loot was not great. Uh, I would say in general I haven't been running as many instances as late I've been doing a lot of PvE and you know I, I like to be decently uh, geared when I start responding to getting into dungeons. I would say the call for dungeons is not quite as heavy as it's been recently. Uh, Maybe it's people working through the new content or gearing or maybe the rewards aren't quite there yet and they're waiting for the next update. Uh, In any event, um, I hope to try the Caverns of Thrumfall which I've only done solo and uh, some of the other instances coming available at least on tier 1 and hopefully try some tier 2 content soon. My mini has been idle. We'll see if she will soon launch herself into the Iron Hills. But my Cappy, the fashionable, is now level 118. Uh, He has made it through Scald's Drop, uh, scouting Uddersby, and the Yarnfast and Hammershead, and has completed the Iron Hills, has gone onwards to the first camp in... In the Arid Mithrin which is Dom Guru, I think it's called. So he's mucking around in there. And uh, last we checked, was slaying drakes out on the uh, on the anvil. And uh, I would say Cappy is proving to be slightly more, you know, in re- uh, in redline at least, slightly more or slightly less indestructible than my guard was. <laughs> I should say. Um, it's been. Uh, so there have been one or two deaths when i've gotten caught up with uh you know a a fierce drake and a grim and a minor drakeling that's been trouble uh been able to handle most stuff in redline at least you know taking one or two at a time but uh, some of those Grims out on the Anvil have some really bad dots and the, the Drakes and so forth. So uh, I could turn to yellow, but I just don't want to spend the time. Red is faster. <laughs> I like getting the Oathbreakers out and moving right along through that content. So can't be getting up there. Hopefully it will be 120 soon. My lore master is still level one fifteen, although I have been uh, have achieved supreme doomfold scholar with him. So basically, starting to uh, both through guard and cap, he take my materials and pass them off to my crafting alts. And uh, so, although my lore master has not done any of the new content, they they did reach supreme doomfold scholar, and um, you know, I'm starting to produce some of the doomfold uh, battle. Uh, battle and warding lore buffs and debuffs that'll help uh, some of the other tunes, in terms of content. And my berg is level 116. Uh, haven't done much with her recently. Hunter is now level 117 and still mucking around in the wastes. Only needs celebrated in the rep for that area's meta deed. So um, completed most of the quests in the wastes. So have to do a couple deeds and or some uh, some. Uh, Daily's content in order to get to that celebrated rep level and finish the metadeed. You know I know the meta deed doesn't have rewards that are that great but when I've got like three of the four objectives and I'm two-thirds of the way on the last one I just feel like I should punish uh, polish it off. So I did the slayer deeds in the wastes, I did the explorer's deeds in the wastes to find the ancient artifacts and the treasure chests, and I'm doing the resource instances in the teeth, um, the teeth, of the towers of the teeth, and carcost and narcost, and turning in tasks from um, from killing mobs in those instances. So running it as a single, uh, you know, I, I think it's normally would have been a six-man instance, running it as a, just a hunter, single solo and getting through those and uh, using that to turn in tasks. And I think when I get all the um, all the mobs, I'm using accelerators because uh, there's deeds on the mobs and the towers as well as the leaders. So uh, I think if I run those every day for a week, I'll basically get to those deeds and I think finishing those deeds will get me completion of the metadata. So, um, there's not much left to buy with the rep items from the waist with my Hunter, although there are some really nice cosmetics I noticed. Uh, these two swords in particular, two-handed swords, one is called the Winged Sword, and uh, I forget the name of the other one, like the S- Sword of the Star and Skies or something like that. They're actually really nice cosmetics, so I've been, uh, I picked those up and I put them in my wardrobe. And if you have extra rep items from the wastes, uh, that's a good way to spend them, in my opinion. If you don't already have uh, the awesome, uh, the awesome dog pet cosmetic pet that you can get from that region. Uh, the thing that's too bad is I hardly have any tunes that use two-handers. Typically, uh, a two-handed sword, at least. You know, Captain, I like to go with a halberd. Um, my champion, I usually go dual wielding. So there's not too many tunes where you can use a two-handed sword. You can use it for guard, overpower, but I just prefer a hammer or an axe. I'm a dwarf, for God's sakes, you know. Book Kazad Kazadi menu. There's nothing in there about a two-handed sword. My Bjorning is level 108. Gotta check out some of the new changes that came down in the latest release for my Bjorning. My champ, I did one or two quests, but still sitting in Dunland at Trumdrang. RK is at level 57 and have started the crafting to finish off Doomfold tailoring for her. My warden is level 43 and has done nothing. My half warden is sitting at level 20, ready for great barrel runs. And on the legendary server, uh, my guard Brag is at level 24. He's currently questing in the lowlands and is at Oscar Ruth um here's the big highlight from Bragg's uh couple weeks this past two weeks is i was questing in an unlos which is the goblin camp to the southeast of the forsaken inn uh that i'm sure many of you are familiar with and i found a new quest i found a quest that i had never done before now you have to remember i've taken uh, something like eight or nine tunes through the lone lands okay so eighth or ninth time around. When I find a quest that I haven't seen before, I got a little excited. So there I was in the ruins of Minis areal and I crossed uh this this one part where the uh, little veil of spiders, you go across a bridge uh which has like um uh bridges in all four directions with like a center area that's and if you cross it uh there's a hill straight ahead and up on your left and i found a ring i was like you know what i want to go up and do top of this hill and see if there's a view to take a picture of because i was looking for a picture for the lone lands to do a screen print of and i saw a ring on my monitor and i go up there and there's an elf uh who needs an escort rescue her name is Leah in minnes Arial and she has a rescue quest available. She basically says, I was cut off from my group, uh, I was injured, I couldn't you know, get out with the goblins on the bridges and so forth, can you help me fight my way to freedom? And the interesting part is, because i would never seen this quest before, of course I was reading the quest text, and uh, someone came up and clicked on the escort thing and started it before I could accept the quest. So basically they took off, the two of them. He saw me standing there, obviously, <laughs> the guy Came in, stole the escort quest, and left. And I was sitting; I was basically left to sit there on top of the hill and wait for it to respawn. And it took forever. I was like, it was like ten, fifteen minutes before the guy finished his escort, and uh, the mob reappeared for me. So, or the NPC reappeared for me. So that was uh, very nice of that person. I wish I'd gotten their name; I would have publicly shamed them on the podcast. But uh, yes, if you've, this is not a quest that you pick up at uh, at the forget. The uh, Forsaken Inn, obviously. I've, I've done all of those before, but you have to find her on the landscape, and it's not in the center of a path that the, the quest they give you normally takes you through. So uh, there's a new one. Look her up if you need to. And also on Anor, my uh, captain is level 25. And uh, he is a Scholar. So this is my belated attempt to do a High Elf Captain. When I got the High Elf on the main server, I decided to start a Warden. Uh, I figured everybody else would be a High Elf Captain. Uh, But it is one configuration I have not used before. So I have a High Elf Captain Scholar, level 25 on Anor, who had a very close call in the Weather Hill Orc camps at level, uh, you know, level, I don't know, 16 or so, that I barely survived. Um, and went on to get Undying title in. Uh, that uh, individual has since died, I think I think it was in a Great Barrows run where I, I, I suffered my first death, got away from the group or got ahead of the group or something, and uh, I was probably in the, the big worm room um, where they put all the poison puddles down and everybody dies. <laughs> but anyway, Undying was achieved, so already on top of that, I completed Weathertop solo and did full, full barrel groups while healing, uh, healing captain. We had a group that was kind of interesting. Two cappies, one guard, one LM, one Bjorning, and a warden. Lots of uh, interesting support uh, resources there. A little strange. I, I really like some of those unusual fellowships. Um, you know, it just changes things up, a little different dynamic. But I was in Hands of Healing. I healed it as a captain level 23, which was good. The run was easy, so I have my skull key now, which is great. And actually, I think I got a piece of gear or two that I could actually use. Um, So that is what's been going on with... uh, Why am I leveling a captain on that? Or you might ask. You know, I started thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, my guard is the tune I play most on the main server. He's the first one through all the new content. You know, why do I want uh, my main on a totally different server to also be a a dwarf guard with the exact same stats? I'd rather get more play out of a different class that uh, doesn't get quite as much attention. And given that one of the goals on Anor is to be able to run level 50 content, you know, or cap level content like the Rift and Karn Doom and Urugarth on level, it seemed like uh, Cappies would be in demand for grouping. So, anyway, that's why I'm loving a Cappy right now in Anor. But that's plenty about what I've been doing in game. So, why don't we move on to our next beacon of Aerolas? Okay, we are back. For Aerolas this week, I'd like to talk a little bit about a game I recently finished called Inside, which was published by Play Dead in 2016 for the PS4, uh, Microsoft Windows, Xbox, and uh, on iOS in 2017. It came out later. So this game, uh, if you guys haven't heard of it, is a successor to a little game called Limbo from 2010. For those of you that remember Limbo, it features like two-and-a-half D gameplay so it's, it's It's not exactly a classic side-scroller. There's a little bit of motion kind of to and from four on the screen Uh, objects come from you know different depths and so forth to give it kind of a it's not quite 3D but to give it a 3D feel Um, although in the end in essence it is a side-scroller to some degree Uh, It just has some 2.5D elements as far as uh, the way the graphics are portrayed so Limbo was a game that came out in 2010. I originally played it on iPad and found it fascinating. Um, some of the strengths of Limbo also live on in a successor Inside. It kind of took the industry by storm, had a lot of press about it. It uh, was a shorter game but one that was very clever and uh, had some very cool imagery, uh, some amazing sound effects and music and created like quite an atmosphere kind of around it and uh, was very satisfied. So I've had my eyes on Inside for a while trying to figure out uh, you know find a good sale and finally I got it on the Steam sale for I think either 6.99 or 7.99, which was about the price point I was originally looking for. Uh, so this game is dark uh, much like the uh, the other game in uh, Limbo it's uh, in black and white and many shades of gray uh, colors used sparingly to highlight parts of the environment mostly Mostly the game is silent with occasional musical cues. Uh, the player controls the bo- uh, boy who walks, runs, swims, climbs, and uses objects to overcome obstacles and progress in the game. Uh, the boy that you're controlling can die in various ways, such as being shot with a tranquilizer dart, mauled by dogs, ensnared by security machines, blown apart by shockwaves, which was my favorite, or drowning and as in the predecessor game limbo those deaths are presented realistically and are often very graphic uh so it's not for the young of heart as far as it could be a little disturbing for young kids um one of the best points about it is if the character dies the game continues from the most recent checkpoint and the checkpoints are rarely very far back so you're not losing tons of progress and you can basically try again almost right away. Um, So it makes it kind of fast and not as punishing when you do pass away. Uh, So this game won all kinds of awards including best game of the year from some indie awards magazines. Here's here's some of the things I like about it. First of all the length. The entire thing can be played about maybe four to six hours. And what they really nail right is the simplicity versus the complexity. Like the game itself to play is very simple. There's There's four controls, up, down, right, left, and an extra button for grabbing or interacting with things in the environment, and that is it. And you basically know you have to go to the right and keep going to the right for the most part to get to the end of the objectives and get past the puzzles and and find out what happens with the story. Uh, the complexity really comes in. It's it's the br- brilliance of the design is that the complexity comes in. Although your controls are simple, the environment that you're interacting with is complex, and uh, the puzzles are uh, you know, are not super hard, but are just engaging enough and well done and satisfying to solve. At just the right level. You know, the overall aesthetic is dystopian, so it's got kind of an uneasy feel about it. The sound and music direction are excellent, much like the first game. Recommend it with uh, headphones on in a darker environment if possible. And the difficulty the puzzles are just right. I mean, they're not super obvious. Uh, they take a little bit of thought. They take a little bit of experimentation, but you almost never get stuck to the point where you don't know what to do to go forward or you know how to proceed in the game. Uh, so you know, they're they're just the right. I think that's the hardest thing in games is to make the the difficulty level of the game just right. So it's you know not too easy. It feels satisfying to finish, but you know it's very solvable. And for someone who's using using their brain and, and uh... when you get the answer it's very satisfying so uh... there's a lot of edge of your seat tension uh... in you know understanding what your grisly fate could be versus trying to achieve your ultimate destiny and uh... one thing this game has in common with the last is the kind of ambiguity that's involved in the story and the endings um, has some echoes of the original game limbo in terms of trying to understand what's going on, you know, there's no backstory. There's no text saying you you were born in the year 2050, or you know, you are on the run from the authorities or whatever. It's just you appear, right? It's dark. You start moving around. All of a sudden, you're being chased by dogs. You have to scale a fence to survive. Uh, you know, and, and you're off and running on your way. And um, it uh, it really controls it well, so you always kind of know what you're supposed to be doing for the most part. And uh, it's, you know, it never requires any narration, basically. You just intuit everything that's going on from the environment around you. Okay. Um, overall, it's just a, a ton of originality in the game. Uh, took the idea for the Limbo, which the first game, which was already innovative, and kind of supercharged it for this iteration of the game, and a little longer, a little more out there, a little more um, intense in terms of the problem solving. And uh, there is an alternate ending that's available to the game I did achieve the, the main ending um, my son who uh, my teen dwarf son who'd seen some playthroughs informed me that there were these uh, machines that you could find throughout the game hidden that if you like pulled the plug on all of them you know you basically got to see an alternative ending in the game. Uh, I had already found one or two of them just through general exploration. A lot of the others would have been hard to find just because they're not... Intuitive as far as where they're placed. I mean, with the objectives of the game, you know, you're supposed to be moving to the right, and uh, you know, in some cases, it has you double back and find a hidden object that will you know gets you into a tunnel that allows you to find the device or whatever the case may be. So, there's lots of guides out there that'll show you how to get them all if you're interested in that. I didn't think it was worth the time. I thought it was faster just since I already achieved the main. Finish of the game. I didn't want to replay everything just to go back and find these little uh, hidden Easter eggs. But uh, you know, without if you if you want to see the ending without spending hundreds of hours searching every nook and cranny, either look it up online or uh, or just watch the alternative ending on YouTube, which I ended up doing. I thought it was uh, just as satisfying. I didn't feel like it was cheating since I had already achieved the main end of the game and uh so inside is highly recommended uh you know again bite size interesting different engaging uh and fun and a little bit uh a little bit grizzly a little bit out there a couple times you look at it and go whoa what is going on this is really weird uh but it's fun and uh, well done i'm looking forward to what that studio does going forward with other games We have reached the fifth beacon of Min Rim Island, and on a now, the original weekly sponsor segment. This week's show is brought to you by the latest in holiday decoration trends. Don't be caught with a boring old star or angel of Arda atop your Yule tree this year. That decorating trend is old and boring. I want a new one. Now. Well, this year, put a little grandeur atop your tree with the Argonoth Tree Topper. Yes, choose from Anarion or Isildur to boldly defy the enemies of Gondor from encroaching upon your holiday hall. Or order the set and buy two Christmas trees to sport them. In the ultimate fit of Tokian geekdom, you can call the trees Telperion and Lorelin. Don't worry. Anguliant will never suck the light out of your trees with the Argonoth watching over them. So bring home the glory of Gondor to your holidays, and let the bygone days of an ancient decaying kingdom preside dourly over your family's holiday celebration in one one fifteenth hundredth scale. You'll have twice the space for presents under your tree this year with the Argonoth tree toppers. Note coming soon: the Argonoth cake topper, perfect for gay weddings. Not that there's anything wrong with that, to borrow a Seinfeldian uh, expression. Good grief, Bragg. Don't you know the meaning of the word propriety? Uh, the state or quality of conforming to conventionally accepted standards of behavior or morals. See etiquette. Ton, move on. To our next beacon. Anyone got a beacon around here. Jeez, these matches are wet. Somebody. <coughs> thank you. Guy okay, Grima, he's always got a lighter, at least. I don't know what he does with it, but I think he's a pyromaniac. Um, haven't heard from him recently. I'm a little worried. He may be up to something. The sixth speaking of Had, I want to talk about this week as the holidays encroach upon us. First of all, I wanted to get this podcast in before the holidays, before things got too crazy. I don't know. Maybe we can do another one around the Christmas break. We'll see. You never know. But in case we don't, I wanted to put out a Christmas list for Lotro. These are some things uh, that have either been bothering me for a while, I like to talk about, or um, that occurred to me as I was brainstorming to say, these would be some wonderful things I'd like to see, if not for Christmas, sometime in the new year from SSG. Um, And I'll give them a nod. Uh, there's something that would have made this list if it hadn't been in the latest patch. Was the ability to make essence slots overridable so that you, when you get an improved essence, you can just lay it over the top of the current essence slot in your gear, without doing a, uh, without requiring a scroll of essence removal, which was a little bit of a pain in the bottom. All right, so. Thank you, SSG, for that one. That one that got stricken off my list. I promise, Bragg has not been, well, I don't know about nice, but generally, uh, maybe he's been. Listen, we all, you know, there's a spectrum. I'm not one side, I'm not the other. I deserve some stuff. Some stuff. A little? Just getting. No coal, please. No Angmar coal. Cole of Gorgoroth for Greg for Christmas. <laughs> Alright, look. uh, Number one, fix skirmish loot to make skirms relevant again. How? Come on, it's not that hard. Add scrolls of empowerment or starlet crystals to the skirm camps or as rare lieutenant drops uh, like they used to be. Heck, make sure that marks and medallions and seals in general general are tradable in appropriate quantities for essences or single use essence recipes or whatever you'd like. It's not that hard. Now, while you're at it, how about a new skirmish? It's been many years. Number 2, release the 8th cosmetic slot, that 8th cosmetic slot, uh, outfit slot, outside of the bloated bundle uh, of Bomber, which is no longer available, I believe, on the store anyway. Let's get that 8th slot open for the general populace. Number 3, connect up our land masses in-game. I would love to see... Uh, the Misty Mountains connect to the Vale of Anjuin or to Arid Mithrin. I'd love to see Northern Mirkwood connect to Southern Mirkwood or to Emon Mule and to the Dead Marshes. Uh, yes, I know some of these areas are pretty steep level jumps, but we've gotten around that in the past by adding objects to interact with to get by you know, and, and uh, approach different um, stuff. So, that's possible. Number four, offer alternative means to acquire class trade points associated with finishing huge chunks of past content. I am looking at you, West Rohan broad acres and or Mordor content. Number five, put more Easter eggs in the game. It seems like the luxury of having time for these small personal touches is fleeting with recent releases. We need more bunnies sitting on bears. We need more little toys under the staircase that come to life. And we need more little squirrel infested uh, cabins in the woods. Um, these are the things uh, that make the game go around, in my opinion. Number six. We need landscape challenge balance throughout the level progression. I know it's something you're working on, but there are obviously still holes. Number seven, I'd like you to slowly tick off scaling some of the classic older instances in the game. I know that CD and the Rift are non-starters based on the tech that they were originally built on how complex they are. But I would think the Moria and Isengard clusters would they come to mind as something that would be modern enough uh, that they would be possible. And uh, I think there would be a lot of love and nostalgia scene for, for some of those instances being updated uh, so that they'd be relevant again. Number 8. Close out some storylines. For gosh sakes, we've got Mordrith, and Lareth, and Ugrkor and Borellos, and Uradani, and Shelob, and Karazgir, and Vithug. Oh, my gosh, my head's spinning. (laughs) I want to kill some of these guys, please. And with that in mind, how about an epic interior space? Make Minas Morgul really convoluted and especially grand. You know, look, it should be... It should be the uh the match for Minas Tirith, right? That's you know one was the Tower of Ministhul, the other was the Tower of Minas Anor. Um having in a you know an evil interior space on the grand scale of, uh, of a Minas Tirith but embedded into the hills of Mordor for Minas Morgul would be epic and I think you've learned a lot of lessons about how to make a Minas Tirith type space that would be uh, a little less problematic for people in the game as far as crashing is concerned and or travel hopefully Number 10. Now that we have three tiers for instances and raids, how about making tier 1 of a raid reasonably puggable so that everyone can see it. Save tier 2 and tier 3 for the diehards and the mid-maxers as always and uh, scale the loot as appropriate. Just enough to maybe make you feel like you're ready for the next tier when you get the gear and those are some of my christmas list items for lotro i would love to hear some of your guys ideas for things you'd like to see in lotro in 2019 this is not a uh a projections episode that usually comes closer to the new year so keep an eye out for that but i would love to hear what you'd love to see for christmas in game please do let me know and with that, that brings us to the seventh beacon of Halotherium. Sorry we have out of time to squander. It's time for blessed relief. I'm officially slamming the door on the 92nd episode of Light the Beacons. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedbacks, rants, diatribes, and most of all your constructive critique. As always, you can contact me at bragsonofbalin at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for Ardbeg. A peaty but tasty single malt scotch. Facebook or Twitter at Braxton on Ballon or my website at likethebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I love it when you do. I kindly request you take the time to create an iTunes review like Les Pomme d'Or did if perchance you're so inclined I would very much appreciate it. And if your comments incite me to forsake my legendary Bjorning myopathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. So... I hope you've laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-earth. This is Bragg, the son of Balan, reminding you that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the next time you accidentally aggro a 1.7 million morale scourge in your Arid Mithrin daily resource instance, then pull the rest of the courtyard while you're running for your life, Don't despair. Just DF if you're a hunter. Flop if you're a minstrel. Hips if you're a burglar. If you're anything else, light the beacons.